0: Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great day, um, not only because it's Mother's Day, but it, I think of uh, the privilege that we have of, of being alive, <laughs> of knowing that God is with us, knowing that God has, is our strength and our shield, our Savior, uh, the one who is constantly by our side. And the more we learn, I was thinking this morning uh, and uh, breakfast, I, have the, you know, I always have a couple of people I speak with, or they speak to me or something. And so um, we were talking about, uh, well, religion. And one guy was saying, well, what about all these religions and stuff? And I said, well, you know, God is greater than our religions. We make religions in order to kind of simplify who God is. And sometimes people become so confined within their religion that they lose perspective of really what God, who God is. And it's in, our, it's in our faith, and our faith should be something that gives us a lot of direction and boundaries, but also those boundaries are limitless as far as how wonderful our relationship with God can be. So our, our faith, our religion, our denomination, whatever it is that we should be so caught up in what God, who God is and how that God speaks and works in our life through his word that we continue to grow and that there's boundless opportunities for us to grow. In, in the Old Testament spoke of Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So one day Enoch is just walking down there talking to God and he is in such communion with God that he just walks right on into heaven. I don't think that's going to be me, but <laughs> the idea is that we have, that's how that the relationship and our faith is to be f- focused so that it, you know, it's this, stuff, and well, don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, do this, do that, do, you know, and everything's okay. Well, it's more than that. It's, it's an understanding of how that God works in our life in the good times and the bad through the wonderful blessings and through what we consider hard times. Well, today we are going to speak about mother-in-laws whenever we talk about hard times. <laughs> yeah, Mother-in-laws. Uh, but actually, I was thinking, I've never done this, so it's a, new, it's a whole new concept, um, but a whole new framework. But the idea is that whenever we think of mother-in-laws, um, I think Rhonda was quite fortunate that she had such an excellent mother-in-law. That was my mother. <laughs> Rhonda was quite fortunate that she had an excellent mother-in-law. Uh, you know, just got to pay attention. But anyhow, I was quite blessed that I had such an excellent mother-in-law. And she also, that she was the, the daughter my mother never had. And so whenever we think of mother-in-laws, I, I, I think sometimes how, how often there are so many stories, <laughs> about and negative stories about mother-in-laws and you know how can this be are not these beguiled people the mother of the person we have chosen to spend our life with you know here they are the person i've chosen to be my and to spend my life with is the mother of that individual so but uh, perhaps not all are blessed but the idea is this perhaps it's understandable that a mother loves her child so much that the mother wants only the best for them and then we showed up as a spouse. <laughs> yeah. So we wonder sometimes you know, about all of that. Well, I remember whenever I, we got engaged that um, her mother was sitting on the porch, was she crocheting or knitting or something? Knitting, she was the knitter. She was always knitting, and we walked onto the porch of her brother's home, and Rhonda shows her the diamond, and she didn't look up. She just kept on knitting and says, don't you think you're going to get married before she graduates (laughs) from college, you know? So, um, you know, she didn't stop. She just kept knitting, and she looked at the ring, and she kept going, don't think you're going to get married before she gets done with college, you know? So... um, So there are different experiences that we have and different things that go with being a mother-in-law, but today we're going to speak about a mother-in-law who made a dramatic difference, who made a dramatic impact on her daughter-in-law's life, and who made a great impact upon even the lineage of Jesus Christ. And of course, the story is found in the book of Ruth, and I am speaking of Naomi, Naomi, uh, and whenever we're uh, thinking of this in this context, I want to think of it in the context that Naomi had such an impact that her life was so different from her daughter-in-laws that they were willing to leave their country, their families, their gods, and accompany Naomi to, back to Israel. And there, there are many surroundings and, you know, stories, subtitles, sub-stories that go with this. You know, whenever Naomi and her husband leave uh, Israel, there's, there's a famine going on, and we're going to read that in chapter 1. But the Moabites were, were considered enemies of Israel. They were disliked by the Jewish people, the, Israel, the Israelites, because when Israel was returning or wanting to go to the Promised Land, they, the Moabites refused to let them go through their land. They had to go around. And so they were, they were, there was a lot of tension and a lot of friction between these two bordering countries, and they would often go to war with each other. So when, and, and one of the other characteristics of the Moabites is that they had many gods. They had many gods. They had many different gods, and so they were considered by the Israelites to be people that you stayed away from. And so for whatever reason, we have this story here in chapter 1 of Ruth in which once upon a time, this is reading from the um, Message Bible, and I don't like that introduction, once upon a time. It sounds like a fairy tale, but it's not a fairy tale. It It is a true life story. Once upon a time, it was back in the days when judges led Israel, there was a famine in the land. So judges were uh, individual prophets that would speak, what God would speak to them, and then they would speak to the people. There was, they didn't have a king. Later on, they would have King Saul as the first king and then King David, but there were judges, and these were individuals that God would move upon, and He would go, and these judges would go and speak to the nation and keep them in their right direction with God. And if they were doing something wrong, you know, falling away from their relationship with God, you know, falling into idolatry, worshiping idols and things like that, the judges would come and tell them, You either change your ways or God is going to bring judgment upon you. So this was in the time in which there were judges. There was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah left home to live in the country of Moab so moab is a place just over the river you know the border is um the river that flows from um, sea of galilee down through to the dead sea and then there's a mountain range on the other side and up on that mountain range is the land of moab and so they're bordering countries and there was a famine it would be like uh, there's a famine in uh, in Johnstown, but in but in uh, Bedford, there's a lot of things going on. So it's not that far away. It's only about maybe 60 miles, 80 miles to this other country. And, and there was um, there was this was the land of Moab. And he, and this man from Bethany, from Bethlehem, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was El- Elimelech. Elimelech. I can't. I feel like I've been. Chewing on marshmallows and cotton balls. I I think it's the flowers, but um, so please excuse me with my mispronunciations or not being able to talk. That's my excuse today. Next week it'll be different. (laughs) So um, the Elimelech and his wife, whose name was Naomi, and her sons were named uh, Ma- Malon and Chilion all Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah they all went to the country of Moab and settled there so the, there had to have been a very severe famine in order for them to go to this to the country of Moab because again this is like going to your worst enemy they didn't like you they didn't like you you didn't like them and we're going to go live with them uh, and that's what happened with Emelech um, and his wife. They go to this, this, foreign, this foreign country that is Bedford. Bedford sometimes is a foreign country. And, uh, and you, you're going to this foreign country, and the, and the people in Bedford hate the people in Johnstown. People in Johnstown hate the people in Bedford. They have two different... They have whole, a whole different value system, completely different religions, and they are just opposed to each other. And so here we are, moving from Johnstown to Bedford into this hostile country. Um, they had little hope of survival in Bethlehem. They felt that this, this um, drought was severe, and, you know, he just picked up and moved, moved south. Well, in this case, he moved west. So Emma. Em- Malek died. And Naomi was left, she and her two sons. So after they moved to Moab, the husband dies, okay? This Moabite, Moabite, excuse me, I'm really having a hard time. The sons took Moabite wives. The name of the first was Orpha and the second was Ruth. They lived there in Moab for the next 10 years. But then the two brothers, Malon and Kilion, died. Now the woman was left without either her young men or her husband. Now, some have said that when you look at this story, that Imelech gave up too early, gave up too soon, and he, you know, he should not have gone to Moab, but for whatever reason, he did, and whenever we look at this, I think of in the context of how many times we look at life and we look back over it and we say, well, we shouldn't have done this, we shouldn't have, we made this mistake, we made that mistake. Well, who are we to say what is a mistake and not a mistake? Well, we say the guy's died. Well, that's a pretty bad mistake. But, you know, in the long term of things, life is life. (laughs) And that's a hard way, that's a hard reality. And he moved there to this to this country and then while he is there his two sons marry Moabite, Moabite, Moabite women and after 10 years they die. So people have read this and they've said well you know that was really a curse of God upon their life and not necessarily so. It isn't necessarily that they were there and that they died and this was not going to happen even in Israel because in Israel there was a great famine and there were people dying there because of the famine. So they went to the land of Moab, and there they settled for 10 years. And there is almost nothing worse than being a widow in a foreign country. In that time period, a widow was considered the lowest of society, and she didn't have, if she didn't have a husband, then there was no providers. And if there were no family, she was just left to begging. So a widow was a beggar. And the only way they were going to survive is on the gifts and things that other people would give them. So here are three widows. In a Two of them are in the homeland. But uh, Naomi is there and she is a despised foreigner having to beg for her living. So this is a very desperate place. Verse 6 says, One day she, meaning Naomi, got to herself together she and her two daughters-in-law to leave the country of moab and set out for home she had heard that god had been pleased to visit the people and give them food so naomi here and now is understanding well you know her sons are gone and three widows there's no hope the only hope she has is to go back to her homeland and perhaps someone there will help her. Perhaps there will be things that she can do in her homeland that will be able to help her. So the character of Naomi is one that we begin to understand or begin to see in a reflection of Ruth and, um, and, and the other um, Orpha. That there's a, there's a character that we see in, in, Na, um, in Naomi that just brings to us a reflection that we don't see in her. We, fe- we find her later claiming herself to be uh, Mara, bitter. Uh, and, and it means this Mera M- bitter, happens to speak of intense loss and intense grief. And whenever she is there making up her mind to leave her homeland, she is coming back to this place, and we wonder what type of a woman Naomi is. Well, look at Ruth. Look at how that Ruth responds to her mother-in-law. We begin to see in the actions of others a reflection of what they have been taught. You see, in the Jewish culture, we have the Ten Commandments. We have the idea of loving your neighbor, you know, don't steal, don't kill don't bear false witness, have only one God. And we see this character of Naomi is so um, different than the Moabites that the daughter-in-laws want to be part of that. They want to be part of that. And so as we were thinking, as I was thinking of a Mother's Day sermon, I was thinking in the context that we reflect, our children will be reflecting the image that they see that we want to be, have an impact upon the people around us. And, you know, of course we have bad days. You know, we have bad hair days, if we have hair. And uh, we have bad days in which, you know, things don't go right, and that's going to happen. But the overall image that we want to be, ref- that needs to be reflected is the, re- the image of Jesus Christ inside of us. That's the image that we see, and people see that. And this is where we have to ask God to help us to be the character, to be the person that God wants us to be according to his commandments, according to his love, according to his desire that we live that life and that's what other people see. And that's what we find in <clears throat> that's what we find in Naomi. And that's what we find in Ruth in her reflection of what she sees and how she lives out this um, experience that she has with her mother-in-law. Well, as they are on the road back, verse 9, after a short while on the road, Naomi told her two daughters-in-law, Go back home and live with your mothers, and may God treat you as graciously as you treated your deceased husbands and me. So these were good ladies who had... Really been um, great wives to, their, to her children, to her, to her sons, and had been very good to her. And she knows what's ahead. Back in Israel, back in Bethlehem, they're going to be beggars. They have family in, in Moab. They have their parents' homes. They can go back to their homes and live there. But there is a, there's a conflict between these two daughter-in-laws. The conflict is the God that they see in Naomi and the God of their families and of their nation. And there's a conflict there that they don't want to leave Naomi. They don't want to leave her God. They don't want to leave her faith and her character. And may God give each of you new home and a new husband. She kissed them and they cried openly. So there was a great attachment between these two daughter-in-laws and Naomi. There's a great attachment that they have and they are experiencing. And they said, verse 10, no, we're going on with you to your people. So whatever drove Naomi and her husband and sons out of Israel was not seen in her relationship with the two young widows. There was... Some people have said, well, as you study these characters, that Naomi and her husband, they were running away from God. That's why they went to the land of Moab. They went to a sinful place. But I don't think so. They, Because they displayed a characteristic that these women, the two daughter-in-laws, they displayed a characteristic that these two daughter-in-laws were willing to give up and follow them back to Israel. But Naomi was firm. She's very firm. She says, go back, my dear daughters. Why would you come with me? Why would you want to come with me? Basically, she, and, and the custom was that, you know, if, if a, a, a brother, you know, there's you know, four, four sons or whatever, and the older son dies, then the wife of the older son becomes the wife of the second son in order to take care of and provide for the wife and his, the, the, the brother's children. So there was like, they were, the wife would be passed on down. You know, the illustration or the what is said in the New Testament with Jesus, if someone dies and, you know, and they don't have a, children, a child and they marry their brother and he dies and they don't have a child and then they the, 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 marries the third brother and he dies. and In heaven, whose wife is she going to be? <laughs> And Jesus says, well, there is no marrying or giving in marriage in heaven. You know, so that's what we see in this custom here, that they, the wife would have been passed on down. And Naomi is telling them, I can't give you, I can't give you the hope of ever having another child. And even if I have get married now and have a son, you're not going to wait until he grows up to be, your, to be your husband. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So go back to your homes. Go back to your families. Go back, dear daughters. On your way, please. I'm too old. I'm too old to get a husband. I'm too old to get started over again. And there's just nothing for us. There is no hope for us in our future. Hmm. We would think that, well, how is this a good story? Well, life has challenges. Life has difficulties that we face, hardships. And it is our relationship with God, even though we don't understand where we're at, God has a way of shining through those difficulties. God has a way of being there in all of those difficulties. And we find that God has a way of being reflective even when we feel like we're bitter. Even when we feel like there is no hope. For the bitterness that was in Naomi had greater hope and greater faith than all of the idols and the lifestyle of the people of Moab. And Ruth saw that. See, to to, to Naomi, she sees herself as a, a lady who has lost everything. And later on, she talks about, I left Israel, I left Bethlehem full, and now I come back empty. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which is bitter. And it's not the bitterness of, you know, of hatred. It's the bitterness of intense loss and grief. And even in that situation, Naomi has a greater faith and a greater belief that Ruth is able to see and not wants, does not want to abandon And this is what, in our life, even when things don't go the way we want, there's still a sense God is with us. Even when we have our tears and disappointments, there is a sense God is with us. Even whenever we look and we think that, wow, what a failure, but there's still a sense, there's still an underlying character that God is with me. And even though difficulties come, there is still God is with me. There is hope in knowing that God is with me, even whenever we don't think there is any hope. And Naomi is telling her daughter-in-law, go back. Go back. There's no hope for us. And Orpha listens to her mother-in-law and goes back. Again, verse 14. Again, they cried openly. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth, see, Ruth. Hi, Ruth. <laughs> Ruth embraced her and held on. Ruth clung to her mother-in-law. And it was, it's like she sees in her mother-in-law faith and hope, even though her mother-in-law doesn't see it. Ruth does. Because Ruth grew up in a culture That had no God Ruth grew up in a culture that had so many gods nothing none of them meant anything but Naomi she presented truth and see this is where for us a bad day in our faith is better than a wonderful day with no faith there is stability in our life when there's a bad day and we have faith, than people who are lost and have no concept of God on their best days. Because there's something, there is someone in us, there's a characteristic, a quality of life, a quality of character, a quality of hope that doesn't come from our mind. It is something that comes from that place inside of our heart that has been filled by God that void that has been filled by God inside of us and in our greatest disappointments, there is still hope. Verse 15. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back home to live with her own people and gods. Go with her. Naomi is so caught up and how the things have fallen apart. She, she didn't even see the faith that was reflected in her. But Ruth was able to see it. And she's using everything she can to make her daughter in law go back home. Because in grief and in loss, we lose perspective. Verse 16. But Ruth said, it's often quoted, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried. So help me God. Not even death itself is going to come between us. So Ruth is declaring, making this great declaration of relationship and hope and and going to cling to, going to hold to her mother-in-law. Verse 18, And when Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in. It was not so much the determination of Ruth's character. It was the determination that Ruth had saw in her mother-in-law and recognized that her God would be, Naomi's God would be her God, Ruth's God. And that she would not abandon Naomi. She would not abandon the God of Naomi. And she would go with them to the new land, to this new place. Well, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was soon buzzing. Is this really our Naomi? After all this time, it's been 10 years. And they were quite overwhelmed that she had come back to Bethlehem. Is this really our Naomi? They look at her and she's perhaps in rags Her life is in shambles. And verse 20 said, but she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. And this is where we find, she says, the strong one has dealt me a bitter blow. Even in her not understanding what had happened, she was able to say, God is in charge. God has taken me out of here. God led us out of Bethlehem to Moab, and now God has brought us back. I went away with a husband and two sons. Now I am coming back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? Pleasant. God certainly doesn't. The strong one ruined me. And isn't it odd, odd, no, it's a characteristic of us, that we would say, God has done something bad. He has given, and he has taken away, and I am bitter. But, and so Naomi was back, and Ruth, the foreigner with her, back from the country of Moab, and they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And, you know, the I'm not going to go the whole book of Ruth, (laughs) you know, and see how everything changes. But the characteristic that we find in the mother, mother mother-in-law, is a characteristic of God that is seen even in the difficult choices. And when things go wrong, it's not, God doesn't stand up there and say, you know, straighten up. Don't do this, don't do that. You're a bad person, you know. Go away from me. Uh, that, no, it's not that at all. God has a way of still presenting himself through us. And we—and this is one of those characteristics where Naomi is talking about how bitter she is. Naomi is talking about how bad things are. Naomi is talking about how bad God is. Ruth isn't buying it because she knows Naomi. She's been with her for almost 10 years. And she was married to her son. And she knew this woman, though she was so upset over all the things that had taken place, Ruth was not going to give in to any difficulties and not going to give up on the God who brought Naomi to Moab and the God who brought her back from Moab. And we see that these qualities of life, because what happens is, Naomi tells Ruth, go and glean in the, ha- in, the, in the fields of Boaz. And the only way that widows were going to make a living was by handouts or by gleaning in the fields, picking up what people, other, the harvesters had left behind. And so Ruth goes out in the la- into the fields of Boaz who ends up being a relative, a distant relative. And... Boaz, do you know who Boaz is? Boaz, in one of the readings, said that Boaz is a descendant, son, grandson, somewhere down the line, of the woman in Jericho who helped and hid the spies. Rahab, 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 um, uh, what's her name, just left me. Rahab, Rahab the harlot, who helped the spies in Jericho and survived the, the crashing of the walls of Jericho and saved the, the spies who went into Jericho, that Boaz is a descendant of her. And we find that Boaz looks upon Ruth and sees her as a beautiful woman, and they end up getting together and getting married throughout this whole thing. And guess what? Boaz and Ruth, marry. they have a son, and his name is Obed. He is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David, king of Israel. (laughs) All because of a woman named Naomi, who had such a godly character that Ruth saw in her something that Naomi didn't even see in herself. And it was reflective of the God that Naomi served. And Ruth was able to see that. And that is what the characteristic, the quality in each of our lives and mothers is that even on bad days, there's something in us that is greater than the badness, the bad day or the quality, the character, thing, things going wrong. There's something in us that is reflective of the God whom we worship, the God who loves us, the God who has forgiven us, and the God who helps us in every situation. So don't get caught up on being, you know, oh, that's a bad day, I'm a bad person. No, get caught up in the God who loves you, who has called you, who's given you the gift of life as a mother, and that he will provide for you the direction and the sense of who you are and what you should do. And even in bad times when things don't look so good, there's still the quality of God that is underneath that character, like in Naomi, that is able to be seen in Ruth and how that Ruth follows and ends up being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Is it a bad day? Always with Jesus, there is hope. Amen? Ladies, all stand, please. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we need to bring the the girls, all the kids up from downstairs. (coughs) Yeah, so if the ladies, if you'd all come forward, doesn't have to be mamas, all the ladies, (laughs) in case you were wondering. <sighs> how many do we have we have 70 right I think we have 70 flowers so how many ladies are there <laughs> well you get to take a couple home yeah yes I um, will we'll wait for the other girls but if you have uh, a neighbor that you've been witnessing to or talking to uh, a friend Um, we would like for you to take one home as a gift from our church to them. (laughs) There we go. Anyone else? Come on down, little ones. Little ones. Not little anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So, and again, um, we just want to say thank you. Uh, To all of our ladies, Uh, you are so much a part of our church, so much a part of our family. And no matter what goes on, allow the quality that we see in uh, Naomi to be that quality that comes through and gives us hope in every situation, because we don't know what the little ones will become. (laughs) We don't know the influence that we will make upon people's lives because there's something, someone greater than ourselves at work in us, and that is God. Amen? Amen? God, I pray your blessing upon each of our ladies, upon each one that is here and the ones that, we, that are represented, and God, those who can't make it today and that are out having lunch. God, we thank you that you bless us with such a special gift. We ask you to bless our mothers, Bless all of our ladies, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I need um, give me a number from one to twelve. Five. Five. Okay, ladies. How many of you have a birthday on the fifth month? February March, April, May. May. Nah, May. Ladies have to be mothers. Mothers, how many have mothers have um we have one? Okay. All right. Glenda, you get a, you get a uh, mitt there. We're trying to give away. Okay, um, who has a birthday close to the fifth of a month? You know, like we if have you... Um, their birthday on the fifth, who has a birthday on the fifth of a month? Of any month. Any month, fifth day. Any month, fifth day. Okay, anyone else? Okay, Terry, Terry. You have one for Glenda and one for Terry. Thank you very much. Now, ladies, if you're in trouble, get an extra flower. All right. So take a flower and uh, take one for yourself and give, take one home for others. And if you're here and your mom or your wife or gr- fiance or your mother, you're going to see them, take, come get a flower for them. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah.